If you have your Bibles, uh, if you want to follow along, you can turn to Luke chapter 24. Uh, that's where we're going to be this morning. And uh, obviously today is Easter Sunday where we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that he died and he rose again, and uh, that's what we're going to be talking about. Um, as you think about our, our passage that we're in this morning is is after the resurrection. You have uh, Jesus had his followers, he had his disciples, and they... Um, left all that they had. Uh, they left jobs. They left family at times. And they were following after Jesus. What, why they were following is that they were attracted to him. He, he was winsome in and of himself. Obviously, uh, when you can do miracles, uh, that kind of can draw a crowd. And uh, some of them were drawn just because of the miracles. Uh, others were attracted to his teaching. They were amazed at the things that he knew and, and in a different way than they'd ever heard it before as one with authority. And so they followed after Jesus. I think of uh, his disciples. Some of them were fishermen. And he called them from fishing. They were about, you know, fishing. And, and he showed them that he had a better way. And so they left fishing and they came and they followed after Christ. I think of one that was a tax collector, and as he was going about his lucrative business, uh, dishonest a little bit, and, and that sense of being an outcast in the community, but making all kinds of money. It says that he left that behind to follow after Jesus. I think about these men as they gathered around, and as they were following Jesus that last week of his life, and as they came into the city and there was a instantaneous parade where, you know, they're throwing down branches and coats and others and they're cheering and excited about Jesus. And I think, boy, if I was a follower of Christ, I'd be excited too. And realize that I'm one of the close ones and that somehow I'm going to have a position as he gathers his people together that I'm going to be important because everyone is worshiping Jesus. And then... As things, the turn of events come, and as we've had depicted on this cute little video, um, you have the, the rejection of Jesus and the, the fact that they were behind the scenes working it so that Jesus would come and to be arrested. You, you think of the chaos that those disciples would have been in and how they would have viewed this and excited and now in the depths and the idea that that. There was no one to protect Jesus. And even as Peter uh, sliced off the, the guard's ear and Jesus says, this isn't the way we're doing things here and places his ear back. And the, the, the soldiers are up, the soldiers are down and they're back up again. And, and there's this sense of like, what's going on here as they followed after Jesus? And then as he was brought and the lies that were told and the accusations that were made, and then you have these couple of trials that he's involved in and the crowd cheering out to crucify him. And then it happens. He's crucified. He's dead. And undoubtedly they would have seen and known and heard of the events surrounding his death and knew that it was over. It was over. They'd followed after Jesus and yet it was over. 
This is kind of where we pick up our story this morning in Luke chapter 24. And in honor of God's word, I'd ask that you would stand and I'd like to read to you verses 36 through 49 in chapter 24 of the book of Luke. This morning we'll be focusing in on verses 44 through 48, um, but I'd like to read the rest for context. As they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace to you. But they were startled and frightened and thought they saw a spirit. And he said to them, Why are you troubled and why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet that it is I myself. Touch me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as as you see that I have. And when he said he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still disbelieved for joy and were marveling, he said to them, Have you anything to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it before them. Then he said to them, These are my words that I have spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, Thus it is written that the, that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are my witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. God, I thank you for this day. I thank you for each one here. God, I ask that you work in our lives to to thrill us with the gospel of Jesus Christ as we meet. God, thank you for this time. Open our hearts to hear from you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So these were powerful days, and the disciples rode this roller coaster. And as we see in verse 26, it was as they were talking about these things, as they were getting reports that Jesus was alive, that people had spoke with him, as they were milling around and and thinking through what had gone on, Jesus appears to them. You can imagine uh, what they would have done, maybe like you and maybe like me, when we don't understand a situation, we go silent and we just are in shock. Or others of us start babbling. Uh, We start going, Hey, wait, 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 wait a minute. What's going on here? I, I thought you were dead, but you're not dead because you're right here. But uh, I, what's going on? Like, uh, uh, what is happening? Undoubtedly, some were, were struggling with what, what happens now? And the feeling of joy that Jesus is in their midst. Jesus, uh, as he, in the midst of this chaotic, uh, confusing uh, last week of his life and his resurrection, Jesus addresses his disciples and he wants to share with them a clear message. And that's the clear message I want to share with you this morning. 
In verse 44, it says that he said to them that these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you. That everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. You have this. uh, It's difficult for us to grasp and figure out when we look at the events of the crucifixion. We say, so what went wrong? And undoubtedly, maybe that's what the disciples were asking. What went wrong? How did we get to this place where Jesus died? I thought we were taken over. I I thought we had the answer. The King of Kings was here. And so I thought this was a takeover. I didn't think that this was ending in him dying. It seemed chaotic. It seemed out of control. Important for us to remember, as we look at the events leading up to his crucifixion, his crucifixion, his resurrection, and his ascension, that this was all a part of his plan. That this was written in the scriptures many years before. It, it, was, uh, it was even known by the disciples. I get this picture, and I thought it was cute the way they depicted it in the, the video, um, where the one disciple said, well, he told us it hundreds of times. And, and they're like, oh, yeah, I guess I remember that. And and we have that happening in this passage. If you look at verse um, verse 45, and really this is my prayer for all of us this morning. It says this, Then he opened their minds to understand the Scriptures. He opened their minds to understand the Scriptures. Now, um, sometimes we don't understand the Scriptures, do we? It's not because we can't read. It's not because we don't know English and what particular words mean. It's that this is God's book. And you get this picture of what God is doing, even for his own disciples, is that he is taking the word of God that had been inspired, that they'd read, and he's opening their mind to it and connecting the dots for them. You know, I hope that this morning that's what happens for you all. Some of us come this morning with many burdens. Some of us, others of us come with questions. Uh, Others of us have um, this problem with identifying Jesus for who he is and seeing him as worth it all. We we go through our lives and we're doing different things and uh, we have like a, a... a knowledge, a vague knowledge of who God is and what Christ has for us. And yet we say, you know, I I would chase after him. I I would spend time, but I'm so busy. You know, like I got things going and I just am too busy for God. Wow. We struggle with things like that because we have not understood what the scriptures say, what it means and connected it with our life. And I pray that that's what happens this morning as we come before God, as we hear his word. Well, what was this message that he had for them? What, what was it that he was connecting with them? You look at verse 46 and it says this, And he said to them, Thus it is written that, that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead. That's the message, folks. That Jesus was to suffer. And, and I think 
we, we can understand that word suffering, right? We, we consider, uh, yeah, we know people have suffered. Some of you have suffered. You've been in excruciating pain for a long period of time. You've been sick. You've had people be unkind to you and even maybe been beaten. But the suffering that he speaks of, that is foretold of, is that Jesus would suffer to death. And that's what he did, right? And what, what undoubtedly the disciples were doing was they were saying, Oh yeah, this is coming together. That he was the Messiah, that Christ was come. He did die and this is what was foretold. This is how it all comes together in his death. Do you understand how unusual it is that uh, we celebrate Good Friday? You, you understand how unusual it is? Uh, we don't celebrate anyone dying. I'm so glad this person died. You ever say that? No, I'm glad you died today. You know, it just seems unusual. And the goodness is not in the death itself. The goodness is the benefit that we have received. Because Jesus died, he died in our place. And what makes Good Friday so good is that he was willing and it was part of the Father's plan that he would die for sinners like me and you. Good stuff. That he suffered, the first part of the message. The second part is this. Jesus also said, he said that Christ would suffer and on the third day rise from the dead. That he would rise again. It wasn't that he was dead. And, and a lot of times we have no problem with him suffering to the point of death. But the resurrection, now that seems unusual. We don't know people who have come back from the dead. You know, in fact, if someone would tell us that we do, we kind of go, whoa. You know, you, you better rethink this. This is not, you know, people don't die and three days later come back. It just doesn't happen. The resurrection that God conquered. He gave us the complete picture of his salvation and that Jesus died, rose again, conquering sin and death. That he did it for us. And Jesus succinctly tells the story of himself saying, this is the message. This is the message. As we move on, he says this. Uh, rise on the third day. Uh, skipping down a little bit to the end, in the middle of verse 47, he says that this, that this should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, from the, starting with Jerusalem. Do you get that? That Jesus says, let me tell you what the message is. And I want to tell you that, that this is the message that we want to proclaim. If you come back at Christmas time, this is the message that we want to proclaim. If you come back next Easter, we're going to say the same thing, okay? And all those weeks in between, we want to be sharing this message. Why? Well, let me tell you what this message does. It's found in our passage as well. Rise on the third day, verse 47. And that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning with Jerusalem. So what does it do? What does this message do? The message of Jesus. Two things. And it really, um, when I think about what we struggle with here on the face of this earth, there's really two things. Uh, 
Uh, we struggle with regrets of the past, of things that we have done. Most of us don't like to admit to them, right? We like to talk about how it was somebody else's fault. Um, it, you learn this from a very early age if you have siblings. It's easy to blame your brother or sister. I wouldn't have punched him had they not said this. So it's really their fault. I'm a good person. I, I, I don't have any... Those sins aren't within me. They're, somebody did something that I had to respond that way. I was forced into a corner. And yet in the reality of our own hearts, that when we come to face-to-face with uh, who we are, we realize there's pictures and times and things that we have thought and done that are just ugly, just ugly. And we're reminded of them, and there's a sense of regret. And we like to say there were mistakes. That's one of my favorite. Oh, I made a mistake. Yes, you did. Yes, you did. But it wasn't just many of them. Many of them were not things we slipped into. They were things we dove into. We ran to. We sought out sin. And, and as we think about these things, you say, well, I have all these regrets. I have all these things that I've done that are burdens to me. How do I deal with them? You know, that, that's, that's a question. How do I deal with the regret of the past? You know, it's interesting when you're young, you get all excited about things and you're, 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 it's easy to be happy and you look forward and you're like, everything's getting better, everything's getting better. The more uh, times the wheel spins in your life, right? The more uh, less tread you have on those tires, the more regrets you have, right? The more sins you've committed. And, and sometimes the, the larger sense of guilt and burden that's on your back. And you ask the question over and over again, how do I deal with the regrets of the past? The second question that I think we all struggle with to some degree is how do I change? How do I change? You, you know, I, I, I see things in my life and I'm a good American, so I always think that things can be better. And so I say, well, how do I change? And, and there's a sense in which it seems impossible. It seems impossible. We say, well, I'm going to be a better person. And so we say, I'm not going to do this again. And it's not long before we do that thing that we said we weren't going to do again. We, we say, I, I'm done with that. I'm, oh, it's over. We fall off that wagon. We say, well, how do I do this? How do I change? Well, I want to tell you that both of those questions are answered in our passage this morning. <laughs> that because of what Jesus did as he was on the cross and he rose again, both of those questions are answered in Jesus. Here's what it says. In verse 47, it says, And, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in His name to all nations. The first word is repentance. Sometimes we struggle with, you know, figuring out what repentance is. What it is, it's a changing of mind. It's a changing of mind. And some of you go, well, that's no big deal. I change my mind all kinds of times, you know. Even ordering just a simple meal, I change my mind three, four times. What are you having? I'm going to have this. Oh, that sounds better, you know. 
Some of you are those people who uh, you order and then somebody else comes by with a better plate and you go, what's that? I want one of those. You change again. That sense of change and and flip-flopping back and forth and never knowing the answer and changing, that's not what this is talking about. The the idea of changing of mind, or it's the idea of looking at all you held dear in your mind. It's all your self-confidence and all the, the things that you have done and saying, I changed my mind to agree with God. I, I now I abandon that and I change to agree with God about my life. It's repentance. You say, well, how do I do that? Oh, it's only done. It's only done in Jesus. It's only done in Christ, what he did on the cross. It's death and resurrection. That's how we can change. That's how we can move on from the sins that have uh, dogged our feet forever. That's the only way that we can change the person that we are. The second thing, second word he uses, repentance, and then he says forgiveness, forgiveness. We should love that word, forgiveness. It's hard to find, isn't it? Uh, Even among family members, and maybe most of the time during family members, when you look at your family, uh, we have pretty good memories of when we've offended one another, right? Remember that time? Remember that time you did something? And since that day, I'm not going to trust you again when it comes to that because you did that to me. I thought you forgave me. I did, but I'm not forgetting. Is it really taken care of? Not really. And yet the forgiveness that Jesus brings in what he did on the cross is this, is this, completion, completion. That he completely takes care of the sin. That in him, that he takes all the punishment, he wipes it away. I want to tell you that um, it, it says it like this in our passage. Repentance and forgiveness of sin should be proclaimed in his name, in his name. You see, all this is found not in your name, not in the name of your country, not in the name of your party, not not in the name of your family name, but it is found in the name of Jesus it's, it's the idea of taking on that new identity. It's, it's being born again. The picture here is this, that because of what Jesus did, we can receive repentance, forgiveness, but only in his name. This morning, um, I, wanted to, uh, I, I wanted, as you came here today, I wanted to tell you this emphatically. You need Jesus. You need Jesus. I know that sounds very bold, and the reason I say it so boldly is I need Jesus. I need Jesus. And and, and this picture is that in our world today, it's distract, distract, distract. You, You don't really need Jesus that much. Only when it really, you really mess things up, then you come to Jesus. Uh uh. We need him every day. 
It's not, it's not just if we have time. It's not just if we uh, are raised that way. It, it is that we need Jesus. I want to point out something else to you. It says this, that this message is to be proclaimed in his name. Where? Where? Well, Jerusalem, definitely, right? Start there and then the rest of the world after that. You know what we are? We're one of the nations. We're one of the places one of the places that needs Jesus. See, this is the message for this church. And this is the message that we seek to have before us over and over and over again is the message of Jesus that, that he died for sinners like you and like me and that we can have life in his name. This morning, uh, our passage ends up with saying this. As far as we're going to go this this morning, it says this. You are witnesses of these things. You see, what happened is this, that those disciples saw what was happening and they were in the presence of Jesus and, and they go, wow, this really happened. He changed our life and we fall. And, and now you, they told others and they told others. And we're here today because someone else told somebody else and we're here today as his witnesses. To what? Witnesses to the work of Jesus, to what he did, that he died and rose again. Please pray with me. Before we pray together, I just encourage you to take a moment and speak to, speak to your Heavenly Father in your own hearts. And realize that some of you don't do this very often or at all. But know this, that he knows you so well, he loves you. So much that he sent his son to die, that he he understands your heart. Call out to him in your heart. God, I thank you for this time where we could gather as your church. God, I realize that we come from uh, many different perspectives and thoughts. Some of us know you, some of us do not. Some of us have been straying and others of us have been clinging to you. God, I pray that all of us would be impressed in our hearts right now how much we need you. God, let us not think we can do life without you. And let us not uh, think that we could go in the uncertainty of the future to go into an eternity without you. God, thank you for loving us so much that you sent your son to die on our behalf. God, help us to cling to the gospel today. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.